The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Busy, 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 busy. That's how we go here at Hoop Ball. It's Monday morning. Actually, it's the afternoon in a, a number of our lovely U.S. time zones. It's uh, sometime late in the evening for our listeners at the other end of the international dateline. And it's Fantasy NBA Today. What's happening, everybody? I am Dan Bespris. It is uh, winter break for the toddlers, so things are a little bit goofy around here. Also, everybody's always sick, but you know I'm actually as close to healthy as I've been in about four weeks, uh, which means that I'm due for my next one. But we won't worry about that right now. Right now, it's time to talk fantasy basketball, and there is a lot to go over. It's reverse chronological lightning round Monday. We had a really interesting Twitter question that I thought I'd bring onto the podcast for more of an in-depth reply. We've got a preview to Monday. We have a returning partner here on Fantasy NBA Today. Everything is just golden. Uh, We're going to have a little bit of a break from guests this week on the podcast. It's Christmas week, so we'll keep things kind of mellow, which means you're basically stuck with me for a few days. We will have all five shows this week, regardless of holidays and so forth, so don't worry about that. We'll get you covered. Uh, And with that, I think we can probably just launch right on into it. Uh, First of all, give me a follow on Twitter, at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. As I always do, please, I request, please drop a five-star review on the show. I will love you forever. That's on whatever device you're using to uh, listen to or watch the podcast. Uh, If it's YouTube, then I think there's thumbs up and subscription buttons. Otherwise, subscribe, leave a five-star review on iTunes, and uh, we'll have a little fun that way. Tell you about our new partner in the middle of the podcast today. So that's your tease. Not a new, actually. Returning partner. Uh, So we'll get to that shortly. But first, let's jump right onto the reverse chronological lightning round. For those of you that are uninitiated... We take a look back, first thing on Monday's show, at everything that happened over the weekend. All teams, all 30, their most recent game, and any news surrounding that team. So sometimes it ends up burying the lead a tiny bit, and that, you know, if there was like a big piece of injury news, we don't get to that until we hit that particular team. But I found that this is a really nice way to connect Fridays and Mondays where we don't have shows and uh, reset our brains for the week ahead. Uh, we also have the weekly lineup show. That's for our premium subs at Hoopball coming up uh, around 11.30 a.m. Pacific time today as well. But first things first, and that is this podcast. Dallas in Toronto blew a 30-point lead to the Raptors' second unit, and this one requires some dissecting. Number one, uh, there's a chance that Luka Doncic is back for the, the uh, Mavericks' next basketball game. That's the day after Christmas, so they have three days off here in between, which means that Jalen Brunson who was absolutely dominant with no Doncic, he's been fantastic, is going to be relegated once again to his minimal backup role. You can probably drop him simply because even if he is still the starter for one more game, you can get so much more out of the next three days. Uh, Lots of games today, lots of games Wednesday, before the Mavericks play again on Thursday. I wouldn't blame you, though, if you wanted to just hang on and see if you could squeeze one more out of him. Uh, if you're in a games cap format where you're not lagging too far behind, then he makes sense as a guy to just sort of see what comes next. Uh, obviously, when Luka comes back, everything shifts. Uh, KP will do a little bit less. Uh, Dwight Powell will do a little bit less. He's been a little better this this last little bit. But, I mean, a lot of that is just 
When no Doncic in there, the usage actually gets spread around a little bit. You saw a lot of guys in the 20s on this team. But that actually isn't the side I wanted to talk about in this game. Uh, I went on the record on, was it Friday's podcast or was it just on Twitter, saying that I thought for Toronto, with basically the entire team getting hurt all in one game, that Rondé Hollis-Jefferson would actually be the first guy in the pecking order to pick up those bench minutes. And that is, after two games with everybody out, 100% on the mark. Uh, I know a lot of people are going to look at this and say, yes, but, and you guys are right. Okay, so let's cover this in as many ways as we can see fit. Number one, Freddie Van Fleet came back, so that eliminated one of our question marks. That was, you know, who was going to be the guy to fill in at more of a guard position. And we saw a little bit more Patrick McCaw, although I don't trust his fantasy game enough to to make the leap there. Chris Boucher and Rondé Hollis-Jefferson are the two guys that have been getting the most attention. I definitely went sort of the contrarian and said, you know what, I trust Rondé more than I trust Boucher. And frankly, yes, obviously Boucher had a wonderful game on Sunday. After two games, Boucher has played 37 minutes. Okay, this is important to take note of. After two games, he's played 37 minutes. And after two games, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson has played 48. That's a big 11-minute jump. Did I say 20? Yeah, 37 minutes. Here's another note. The reason that both of these guys got a ton of run, that's both of them, I'm not talking about one over the other, is that on Sunday, the starters, namely Serge Ibaka, was in a unit that was getting pummeled by the Mavericks. They went to the bench, which included both Boucher and Rondé and Terrence Davis for a stretch, and the bench started this wild and woolly comeback. At the end of the first half, this is going to make you sound smart with your friends, at the end of the first half... Rondé Hollis-Jefferson had played about a dozen minutes, and Boucher had played about six or seven. Okay, so we were on pace again for Rondé to get minutes in the low 20s and for Boucher to get minutes in the low teens until this game flipped on its head. It looked like it was headed to garbage time, and instead, the reserves made a furious comeback. So here's what I'm trying to tell you guys. And as I said on Friday and as I said on Twitter, if this turns out to be completely off base at the end of a couple of weeks... I will happily admit that I had it completely wrong. But so far, Rondé has been, of those two guys, the first one to get in there and make stuff happen. Boucher had the better game on Sunday in fewer minutes, which is also a possibility because his, his per-minute production is better than Rondé Ellis Jefferson's. He did more in 24 minutes than, than Rondé did in 29. But in general, if things are going normally... Those minutes go back to Serge Ibaka. So I am still very much on the side of you probably want Rondé. If Boucher goes big once every two games, it works out. But a lot of you guys were ready to just abandon ship on him after a 4.5 rebound effort the previous one. So I'm not, I'm still not sold on this one. I know you guys are going to yell at me, and I'm totally fine with that, but I am hereby, once again, going on record and saying, first of all, I don't think I want to pick up any of these reserves for Toronto because if the starters actually had kept this game close, they'd have come back in. Uh, you'd have seen more Serge Ibaka, more Patrick McCaw, uh, possibly more Freddie Van Fleet, although I know he missed some time uh, with a mid-game injury in this one. And the minutes for both Rondé and Boucher would have gone down. But regardless of that, between those two guys, the one that I trust more remains Rondé Hollis-Jefferson. His minutes have been higher in both, and even though Boucher had the 
quicker escalation on Sunday, his minutes are going to be lower. It just gives you little wiggle room. And again, I don't care if you guys disagree with me. You're very, you're more than welcome to do so. I just think at the end of this stretch, the minutes are not going to be there. Uh, Boston blew out Charlotte. Uh, Charlotte continues to be a little bit goofy. Devontae Graham has been going through a pronounced shooting skid. Uh, he's still number 76 overall in the year, but he's shooting a high volume, 38.5% from the field. you got to find a way to sort of uh, get out from under that. And I should I should clarify, when I say get out from under, I just mean you have to find a way to sort of counterbalance it. You don't need to, like, abandon ship on Devontae Graham. He's been very good, uh, really good pickup. Uh, you just need to sort of balance it with a, a high field goal percent guy. Uh, or you could even potentially buy low if somebody's getting frustrated with it because he's probably not going to shoot 38% forever. There's a hot streak coming. Bismack Biombo was okay. Uh, I'm not buying into that. Nice to see Miles Bridges actually put a few decent ones together, but this team, nothing really changing for me. Cody Zeller back to coming off the bench again, and uh, so that moves him back out of the usefulness category. Boston side, we're starting to see this slow and steady improvement of Ennis Cantor, and I mentioned it on Friday that I'd be watching his minutes in their two games over the weekend, and they were, frankly, enough. He had 8 points, 18 rebounds in their win over Detroit, which you knew he'd see plenty of playing time against uh, the likes of Andre Drummond, and then 8 points, 13 rebounds against the Charlotte Hornets on low field goal percent. So he's actually been slumping a tiny bit, but they've been using him anyway. He's been serviceable for four games in a row. I'm good with a pickup there uh, if you need that particular stat set. It's not going to do a whole lot for you, but he's on the map now. Indiana blown out at Milwaukee. Uh, Demonis Sabonis survived. Miles Turner almost survived, and everybody else kind of got smoked in this one. Uh, Giannis was good. Brooke Lopez, you knew he was going to heat back up. George Hill's been fantastic lately with Eric Bledsoe out. Uh, he is wildly under-owned in fantasy leagues, considering he's actually inside the top 100 on the year in 21 minutes a game. And in non-blowouts, you might see him get up to 24 to 27. His percentages are crazy high, and somehow he's keeping them there. Can't figure that one out. Uh, Dante DiVincenzo slowed down. I mean, the problem with Milwaukee is that they're blowing too many people out. Landry Shamit looks like he could be a little bit of a streaming opportunity, especially when uh, Kawhi Leonard is out. This was a rough one, actually, for the Clippers. They, they led this game by at least double digits, I don't remember the, the exact number, but Oklahoma City, another furious comeback. Shea kind of had his revenge game a, a, a contest too late for this one, uh, but it worked nonetheless. Steven Adams was very good. Dennis Schroeder was very good. Chris Paul was actually relatively quiet in this one, but it was, you know, it was enough. And then a poor Nerlens Noel. Where, as Adams now is finally getting healthy, we're seeing Nerlens minutes starting to trend back down where they used to be. And as much as I want to keep saying, hold, 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 the fact that he's trending down into the mid to high teens does give me a little bit of pause. I'm still in the camp of hang on, because in 18 minutes a game, he's still inside the top 100, and that's pretty close to where he's been with actually the steals and blocks a, a tiny bit even on the low side in his 18 to 19 minutes right now. Uh, he's due for one of those games where he pops off a little bit, and uh, I'm, I'm still hanging on to Nerlens. Uh, I mean, even in his slow times, last two weeks, he's still number 104. 
And the Thunder are winning. They've won four games in a row. They've had an easy schedule lately. Chicago, Memphis, Phoenix. But then the Clippers, that's a nice win. They beat Utah on the road. They beat Portland on the road. They're not bad, man. This is one of our over bets to start the year, so that one feels pretty good. Uh, Denver blew out the Lakers with no LeBron. Anthony Davis hurt his knee in the middle of this ballgame, tried to play through it, but it sort of didn't really matter. If both of those guys are out, you could stream the crap out of Rajon Rondo because it's going to be an ugly couple of days. For Denver, uh, we saw Gary Harris actually do some stuff for once, but it's not changing my opinion on where he belongs. And then everything else for the Nuggets is exactly the same. Turning the clock back to Saturday, we'll wipe out most of the other teams that uh, we need to cover their last game. Utah beat Charlotte on the road. Uh, Mike Conley, of course, he re-injured his uh, his hamstring earlier uh, in the weekend, so he's out for probably a couple of weeks, uh, which means, you know, continuing Joe Ingles' deal. He had eight turnovers in this game. They, they clearly did not take Charlotte uh, seriously, but ended up beating them anyway, so whatever, nothing... Nothing significant changing there. Atlanta at Brooklyn. There, there was something in this ball game. Number one, Trey Young had a usage rate of forty-one, which it tells you everything you need to know about the help that he desperately requires. Alex Len had twenty-three and fourteen, but it's John Collins' time. Here's why I'm a little bit worried. I, I, I was uh, pushing the. We might as well just hold on to Jabari Parker and kind of see how far it goes. It. There, there's one of two things happening here. Number one, it's possible that they are just kind of phasing him out as John Collins gets ready to come back, which seems a little bit odd because a little bit more scoring punch, a little bit more help wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. And he was playing 22-ish minutes even before Collins got suspended. So I, I don't know that the 15 minutes makes a ton of sense in the grand scheme of things. It's, it's the lowest minutes total he's played all season. They could, there could be a little injury happening here with Parker that they're just trying to nurse through and maybe the minutes come back a tiny bit. They could be making the maximum youth movement very early in the season and just saying, ah, the hell with it, we're cooked, which seems weird because I, I think if you're Trey Young, you're probably a little bit annoyed that you're just not beating anybody. So what do we do with it? That, of course, is the, the question. I think you give Parker one more game. You could bench him if you're in a games cap format. It's not like he's killing you in uh, normal, unlimited game, head-to-head type deals. So, you know, I wouldn't be too concerned there if you threw him into your lineup. But if indeed his numbers do stay in the mid-teens in terms of minutes, then we probably move on. Kevin Herter, meanwhile, played 36 minutes in this game. That's a really high total. He didn't shoot the ball well at all. But six rebounds, six assists, a steal, a block, and a three-pointer. If another couple of those shots go in, you're talking about a 13-6-6 game with a 1-1-1 or better. Uh, Decent foul shooter. I got to say, I was, and you guys heard it on the pod, when he re-hurt his shoulder last week, I was basically done. I was like, you know what, screw it. This kid's just never going to get healthy. I don't know what the deal is, but, you know, he's he's piddling along at this this weird low-usage clip. Uh, but the big minutes, the last three games in particular, have been a really nice sign. He has 13 assists over those three games, so if, he, if he's averaging over four, that's a big deal. Uh, if you're on the floor for that long, you'll probably end up with a steal. And he'll probably get you close to two three-pointers a game in that number of minutes on the floor. So, deserves to be owned. Uh, I don't know that his upside is much beyond top 90-ish, but that's still better than a lot of guys that you could find at this time of year. So, yeah, uh, throw him back on your roster. I'm not a big DeAndre Hunter guy. I, I also think he takes a hit 
when Collins comes back. I think that among guys that get shifted around, obviously Bruno Fernando would be one of them. DeAndre Bembry would be another. Hunter, they're going to develop. Same with Cam Reddish. Uh, but just in terms of, of overall fantasy game, I'm not entirely on board. I, I know, and and you guys can yell at me about that one, but in, he's already averaging 32 minutes a game this year, and he's number 224 in fantasy because he doesn't shoot the ball well. He's not that great at the foul line, doesn't make many three-pointers, some minimal steals, minimal blocks. Just There's, there's just sort of not enough there. Might score a few points every once in a while, but that's, I mean, that's really it. Brooklyn remains fairly predictable in as long as Kyrie and Karis LeVert are out. DeAndre Jordan outplayed Jarrett Allen in this ballgame, so they sort of flipped it, gave him a little extra run, and, and that allowed a, a, a Brooklyn comeback. So, that you know, this is sort of why we've been hanging on to both of those guys. They, they're both managing to maintain some measure of fantasy value. I think DeAndre's like just outside the top 100, which again, for those types of guys, it's very specialisty. Field goal percent, rebounds, a little bit in the block department, not much, but his free throw percent isn't nearly as bad as it used to be, so he's not really hurting you there either. Washington lost Isaiah Thomas to a suspension. He confronted a fan who was flipping him the bird and yelling swear words, and so Isaiah did the job of the stadium ushers and got a two-game suspension for it. Davis Bertans hurt his quad uh, and did not return. We don't know his exact return date. They're hoping it's very short-term. Uh, but this really pairs the Wizards down to almost nobody left. You're going to see a lot of minutes for Troy Brown Jr. He probably makes the best stream of the bunch. Maybe Ish Smith, although we know his fantasy shortcomings, and they are well-documented. I think with all of these guys out, I'd probably only use Beal and Troy Brown, uh, but I could be talked into Ish, I guess, in a pinch. I'd rather not. And again, with Isaiah Thomas, it's only two games. His usage has really been ramping up. He's in a much better place now than he was when he first moved into the starting lineup. Uh, for Philadelphia, not a whole lot of news. Uh, Matisse Thybul hurt his knee. He's out for a couple of weeks, which just sort of takes him off our watch list. But that's as far as he had gotten anyway. Uh, and then everything else is cut and dry. Chicago with a road win at Detroit. I, I mentioned a few times over the last, what do we say, two to three weeks, basically since... Chris Dunn was inserted into the starting lineup. The Bulls have been better. It kind of woke up Larry Markkinen. They're 5-5 five and five in their last 10, which isn't good. I mean, you know, it's treading water. But in the Eastern Conference, that's enough. They're a game out of the eighth playoff spot at seven games under 500. So there's still an opportunity there. If the Magic continue to stink, if the Bulls go on a run... And this is great if you have Chicago guys, because that means they're just going to keep trotting them out there. The longer that these bubble teams stay close to contention, the better. So Markkinen gets a bump. Uh, Sadoransky gets a bump. Levine gets a bump. Uh, I don't know about Chris Dunn, but they've certainly been playing better with him as a starter. So he, I, I got to think he just holds the job at this point. I still like Sato a lot. You guys know that. I've, I mean, how many times have I said it on the podcast? 40, 50? I know he's sitting right around the edge of the top 100, but I, I just I love a guy that does a whole bunch of things relatively well. I also think his field goal percent is going to trend up, and that should pull him inside the top 100 at some point for good. Detroit, uh, no Blake Griffin, and I mean, we said it, you know, he looks a mess. He's so hurt. It's crazy. Why he was trying to play through it, I know you're trying to gut it out, uh, but guys like Andre Drummond get a huge bump. 
Derek Rose, when he's playing, gets a bump. Luke Kennard, when he's playing healthy. I know he's dealing with a couple of knee things himself. They all get bumps. Uh, Christian Wood is out, but it doesn't matter. He's another case of we fantasy analysts getting ahead of ourselves. It's Markeith Morris first. He has the first crack at Blake Griffin's minutes. If they move him, yeah. But as I've said before, and I'll say it again, Christian Wood is, well, an injury now, and two big men out away from having fantasy value. Two, not one. Uh, Milwaukee already talked about they blew out the Knicks the previous game. I mean, they're just going from station to station, beating the hell out of people. Uh, But this was interesting because Alfred Payton got moved into the starting lineup. It didn't change the outcome because Milwaukee is uh, crazy good. Marcus Morris uh, has a sore Achilles, so we're expecting him to miss a game or two. Uh, I don't know that there's an easy beneficiary. It's probably Kevin Knox, if anyone, but you know I'm, I'm not trusting that dude. He had a great ball game on Saturday, but if he has, if he does it again, okay, fine. But we've seen him now for a year and change, and five defensive stats and four three-pointers, yeah, like that's going to happen again. Nine cash counters. Alfred Payton is the more believable of the bunch. He only took seven shots in 27 minutes, but if he's starting, he's a must-own guy. Without question, he's a must-own guy, especially on a bad team that desperately needs somebody to help orchestrate the offense. I'm sure he's owned in your league by now, but if he's not, uh, he's definitely worthy of a pickup. This is this is a seismic change for him because now as a starter, it's at least, you know, you go as a reserve playing basically half the ball game, and if you play better than the starter, then maybe you can steal a couple extra minutes. You know, 27 was kind of his cap. As a starter, you're looking at 25, 26. That's more like a floor because unless Nilakina is absolutely busting it off the bench, you're going to go back to Alfred when Frankie starts to tire a little bit and or things turn sour. There's just multiple more ways for Peyton to hold fantasy value. Uh, expect a lot of assists and expect a lot of steals. That's the MO, and that's probably what you're going to get. Cool. Sacramento lost at Memphis. They continue to struggle since their big guns came back. Darren Fox was good, but it uh, didn't really matter. Buddy Heald has been awful lately. Marvin Bagley has been meh. And the only guy that continues to float things is Rashawn Holmes. But with their weird rotations and uh, discombobulated minutes at this point, Sacramento is all out of sorts. Jaron Jackson's been good. He had three steals, four blocks in that ball game. That's nice. That kid takes a lot of three-pointers right now. We should get a little closer to the rim. Uh, DeAnthony Melton, we were watching him. He only played 15 minutes. That's not enough for me. And then uh, JV sat this one out. So not a whole lot going on in Memphis that I feel is worth monitoring. Brandon Clark, only 19 minutes with no uh, Jonas Valanciunas. That surprised me a little bit. Uh, you saw more Jaron Jackson at the center position. Sacramento not with a real big body. Uh, so they just rotated some dudes in. Memphis went a little small. It hurt our guy Brandon Clark. But here's the thing. Uh, Brandon Clark, while imperfect, is still well inside the top 100 and with nowhere to go but up. So just enjoy it. Don't worry about the day-to-day too much. Clippers we talked about already. Uh, Kawhi Leonard was great. This is the first half of the back-to-back. Sat out the other one. On the Spurs side, it was a blowout. So I think you can throw out some of the numbers, but it was good to see DeJounte Murray playing well again. Uh, And Derek White still, in my estimation, belongs on waiver wires. Uh, Taking people a long time to agree with me there, but we're, we're at it. Houston beat Phoenix on the road. James Harden and Russell Westbrook accounted for... 
<laughs> 46 usage for Harden, 40 for Russell Westbrook. Not much left for everybody else, although it was good to see Daniel House actually make five of his seven shots. Uh, P.J. Tucker even was slowed in this ballgame. That's how much the, the big guns did. For Phoenix, uh, DeAndre Ayton was back out again, this time with an ankle injury, and, uh, I mean, that's just... That's silly. He'll be all right. You can you can try, probably try to buy on him a little bit. Uh, Dario Saric somehow hanging on barely, barely. Uh, and then Kelly Oubre was the guy to, to pick up a lot of the slack here. Devin Booker, who uh, we referred to a bunch of times as a potential sell-high guy, coming back to earth with that field goal percent. It's just hanging on over 50 now, which still is high for him. And he's moved outside the top 30 in 9-cat. So... Don't say we didn't warn you. Minnesota at Portland. The uh, Timberwolves take the loss without Carl Anthony Towns. Gorgie Jang, a fantastic stream for as long as Cat is out. And for Portland, no Carmelo. And so all of a sudden, Kent Bazemore got just enough usage to get to the point we wanted him to. 19 points, two boards, two assists, three steals, two blocks, two three-pointers. This is why I've been trying to hang on to him with, obviously, the caveat that I know it's been hard with some of those real clunkers mixed in. But a few of games, a few games like that, and his season ranking will skyrocket. Here's the thing. He's got minutes for days. He's just trying to figure out his spot with this unit. When can he shoot? When can he actually get a little more aggressive? Melo's return is going to hurt him, unquestionably. But those steals and blocks, they are there. And he's had at least one of each in four consecutive ball games. That's the stuff we were hoping for with Bayes. Uh, he's number 66 over the last week because of it. And so that's why I'm hanging on wherever I can. I have him in a lot of places, and I know people don't like Baysmore as much as I do, but those, those defensive stats are a big deal. I think Melo will be back pretty soon. If you disagree with me on that front, you can stream Scal Labissier, but I am, uh, not super confident that that one is going to stick long term. We'll see if anybody played on Friday we haven't covered yet. I believe the Cavaliers were in that bunch, but you guys know I cannot stand that team. John Henson had seven blocks in 16 minutes, though, so that was kind of fun. Doesn't mean anything. He's not going to get any extra minutes unless half the big men all go down at the same time. But it reminds us, those of you that listen to this podcast, the first year we did it back in uh, 2016 or 17, you remember how often I talked about John Henson on and off my basketball team? He was like my first today in sport, or uh, what the hell's this show called? Fantasy NBA Today, uh, Fantasy Man Crush. Good to see him come back out of the woodwork a little bit. Uh, I think that might be all 30. Uh, no, Miami, excuse me. Miami played on Friday. They beat the hell out of the Knicks. Not a whole lot to learn there. Our guy Duncan Robinson with six more three-pointers. He does it on good percentages. He's number 86. It's not even a question at this point. Goran Dragic made his return, and so guys like Kendrick Nunn and Tyler Hero immediately fall off a cliff. It didn't take any time at all. It's also helpful for Jimmy Butler, by the way. You can see he kind of, <laughs> this is cruise control for Jimmy in this ballgame. He's like, you know what, Goran's back. He can handle a lot of the point guard stuff. I'm just going to coast, and I'm pretty sure we can beat the snot out of the Knicks. And he was right. He was right. That's all 30, right? No, Orlando, but who cares? They're a non-factor in fantasy. Nothing changes for them. Oh, New Orleans and Golden State. Of course, those two teams didn't play over the weekend. I'm sorry, everybody. Uh, and wonderful news out of New Orleans. Derek Favors' minutes cap has officially been lifted. They expect him to play in the high 20s most games going forward. And right out of the shoot, 
a nice, quiet, quality big man line. 10 points, 10 boards, 2 blocks, 5 out of 8 shooting. I'll take that every damn game and twice on Sundays. He'll he'll be better than that in a lot of games, actually, uh, because, frankly, he's still kind of getting loose. There will be games where he just has more opportunity near the rim. He'll get you some more putbacks. He's far and away the best rebounder on that Pelicans team, and they need him for that. He's also one of their better screen setters. So I would expect J.J. Redick to get a boost coming off of screens from Derek Favors. Uh, just all good things there all of a sudden now. And for those that are like, well, they're going to go into tank. Yeah, probably, but it's December. Teams do the pre-tank stuff, and, you know, he's missed plenty of games. These guys want to play. That's another factor in it. So I agree with you with the very large caveat that he's probably going to play for the next two months before they start doing the weird stuff. And maybe he'll set out some back-to-backs. But a lot of his issues lately were just getting his conditioning back up. So, you know, provided his back is fine, I'm pretty high on Derek Favors all of a sudden, especially with who knows on the Zion front. Lonzo Ball was better in this one. He's been a tough guy to own in fantasy. You know, we tried to avoid him in drafts. I know a lot of you guys ended up with him somehow anyway, but he's outside the top 180. You kind of have to hang on, but as long as everybody's healthy on that team, he's going to have a real tough time. Redick is a hold, Ingram obviously, Drew Holiday obviously, and then Josh Hart is a hold for me as well. I know he didn't shoot the ball well in this one, but he'll usually hit you some threes, and uh, the minutes are enough there where he can get it done. For the Warriors, uh, Alec Burks has maintained his level of play above the cut line, even with the team healthy, which I'll admit surprised me a little bit. I thought he'd completely disappear, and he's only uh, semi-disappeared, and actually had a pretty good game here on Friday. Uh, I like Willie Cauley-Stein for his defensive stats. He fits the mold as like kind of a poor man's iteration of Derek Favors. Draymond Green, you're still trying to move him here while he's playing and posting serviceable numbers when he's on the floor. He's number 77, so it's not like he has no fantasy value. And then D'Angelo Russell, who had 25-7, and seven, his percentages have been tough, uh, but he's a guy that should fetch you something in a trade as well. You guys might not believe this, but D'Angelo Russell's actually ranked behind Draymond Green on a per-game basis. So see what you can get. I think there's a lot of name power with D'Angelo that you're probably not getting with Draymond because he missed those games early uh, and doesn't put up the big popcorn lines. You can probably get more for Russell, even though he's probably not worth more in that similar respect. I, I would assume both of these guys are going to start taking a whole bunch of rest days pretty soon. And that is your reverse chronological lightning round. If nobody played, if a team didn't play Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, we don't need to cover them because that means we talked about them on last week's podcast. Right? Right. Huge Monday card. Segway right into that. Uh, from a fantasy perspective, here's what we're looking for tonight. Toronto is at Indiana, so this will be an interesting uh, second test case, or third test case, I guess, for the uh, who's picking up minutes. This is going to be a really tough one. If the Raptors fall behind big again, you might see extra bench minutes again, but don't be surprised if it ends up going back to Serge and McCaw and both Rondé and Boucher fall apart. It's it's very iffy. It's hard when you're expected to play 13 minutes or you know 18 or 19 if you're Rondé and then somehow find a way to fantasy value every night. Indiana, we have a pretty good feel for that team. Uh, Chicago, Orlando, not a whole lot to watch in that one. Philly-Detroit, it's really just about health. 
who's playing for the Pistons is our only real question in that basketball game. And then we can make our decisions on other guys as a result. A little more DFS-y, I think, uh, than a than the season-long type questions. Atlanta is at Cleveland. This should be an interesting one. I would recommend at least watching the box score closely as we see how the Hawks continue to sort of get themselves situated here in the era of John Collins. Cleveland, who cares? Washington, there's nobody left. Again, more dfs than anything else because a lot of this stuff feels shorter term than at least Thomas Bryant. Uh, but I really like Isaiah Thomas, by the way. I know he's out for two games. He looks so much more comfortable now. Like, he's ready to just go assert himself. The Knicks' uh, starting lineup is the question mark there. Um, not that worried about grabbing a fill-in for Marcus Morris. If you do whatever, go for it. Um, but I think Peyton is the guy that we're, we're watching more closely. Utah-Miami have a pretty good feel for both of these teams. San Antonio-Memphis. Health, again, is the question mark here on Christmas week. If, if Jonas Valanciunas is playing then that obviously moves some bodies around for the Spurs. It feels like it's settling into a three-man fantasy team now. Marcus, DeMar, and DeJounte Murray. Denver, predictable. Phoenix, Aiton's health is the question mark. As per usual, uh, everything else is sort of trickling from that. New Orleans, they seem right. They seem fairly healthy all of a sudden, except from Zion. So I think we have a good feel there. Carmelo is the question on the Portland side. Houston, they're playing well. Uh, would love to see a team try to shut down some of the superstars and let our other guys get a little bit more involved. I'm probably benching Daniel House until we see more consistent run, although they really like him. You know, they're running with him. And uh, the other guys are not... They don't scare me. It's actually the superstars that scare me, that will they actually get the other guys involved against Sacramento, who's been playing very poorly. Uh, We'll just sort of keep an eye on who's playing with who. Rotations are a big deal. And then Minnesota at Golden State, Carl Anthony Towns' health is the question mark in this game. So this is truly the week where we're not really watching many adjustments. Alfred Payton is probably the only uh, non-injury-related team player movement type of deal that we're keeping an eye on. Everything else is just who the hell's actually in and who's out tonight. Oof, going to be a lot of bad weekly lineup questions. And when I say bad, I mean hard. They're going to be great questions. They're going to be hard for me to answer. Ah, well. Oh, hey, guess what? Guess what, everybody? Big time news. Our buddies at my bookie are back with Fantasy NBA Today. Pretty damn excited about that. And just in time, because I am officially announcing here on this podcast that starting the second week of January, third at the very latest, Hoopball will be unveiling a brand new gambling podcast that'll teach you how to handicap the card And it's not just basketball. It's all of the above. It's going to be so exciting. I'll tell you more about that as we get closer. Uh, Right now, I just want to remind everybody that we do a lot of talking on this podcast about betting into revenge angles and injured star theory and all that good stuff. If you're going to do that with us, do it at mybookie.ag. We've told you about them before. They will match your deposit up to the halfway mark. Pretty good. Pretty good. We had that crazy deal going early. They will match that deposit up to the halfway mark. So if you deposit two grand, they'll give you an extra thousand in free money to play with. The promo code is the same as it always was. The word today. Just like Fantasy NBA today. That's how we got to that point. So type in the promo code today, T-O-D-A-Y, when you sign up for your account at MyBookie. And again, they will 50% bonus your deposit match up to 
a thousand bucks. They've got football. They've got basketball. The fastest payouts, the best promotions, and 24-7 customer service. You can even pool your bets for a bigger payout. That's pretty cool. Get that parlay going. More lines, better odds than any other sportsbook around, and more than anything, they care. MyBookie.ag. Bet, win, get paid, and a big fat welcome back to Fantasy NBA Today. Super excited about that renewed partnership. That's a big deal for all parties involved. Uh, in terms of the card tonight, if you're looking to just dive on in with this uh, newly minted MyBookie account that you just opened, uh, a couple of quick notes on the odds here. Toronto is a seven-point underdog in Indiana on the back-to-back. Chicago is catching five in Orlando. Philadelphia, five-and-a-half-point road favorites at Detroit. Cleveland is giving up a point-and-a-half at home against the Atlanta Hawks. I actually kind of like the Cavs in that one. New York, three-and-a-half-point favorites over the Washington Wizards. If you want to bet that game, you are on your own. Uh, Miami by four over Utah. Spurs, one-and-a-half-point road favorites at Memphis. Denver, three-and-a-half-point road favorites in Phoenix uh, on the second half of back-to-back after taking care of the Lakers in due order. New Orleans, six-point underdogs against the Blazers in Portland. Houston, five-and-a-half-point road faves in Sacramento. And Minnesota is a two-point favorite at Golden State. I think Cleveland is actually probably my favorite one there. Fade an Atlanta team trying to get healthy. They've been, all those teams have been bad. Cavs have actually been, and this is, by the way, very much comparative analysis to what they were before, but Cleveland has been a tiny bit better in their last two ball games. Almost undetected, they've won two in a row. You, did you notice? I bet not. They've got this little weak point in the schedule. Three home games in a row, Charlotte, Memphis, Atlanta. And I bet you they're trying to run the table. I think they're going to be wide awake for this ballgame. So I like the Cavs. If you want to get nuts, go uh, put a shekel on the Cavs with your mybookie.ag account. Uh, and that about wraps it up here. I wanted to try to move through this pod kind of quickly today. There's just so many things on the docket uh, that we want to take care of. Again, check out mybookie.ag. A big welcome back. Drop that five-star review. Hope you enjoyed the reverse chronological lightning round. We don't have any homework assignments, but with this many games, there's so much going on. We're having some fun. And finally, before you guys tune me out today, there was one question from Twitter that was uh, asked by Tan Mart. And it was basically, here's the question. Tan Mart said, Dan, if you don't mind divulging, I'm curious about how you consume your games during the evenings, such as how do you set it up, screen quantities, etc. Trying to figure out a way, I like this part, trying to figure out a way not to annoy the hell out of my wife and still pay plenty of attention to my three-year-old girl. Uh, so you and I are in similar buckets. I have a three-year-old son at home. Um, and what I've basically done is I've convinced, and it, and it took some time, but basically from a very early age, I just had sports on passively in the background while playing with my child. This, I think, is the key. Uh, this is not like parenting advice in any event. Um, but we, we read not extensively, but somewhat about this notion that, uh, having sort of like a large television on in the background is not really that big of a deal for child rearing. That is, you're not using the TV, you know, you're not using it as a pacifier. You're not giving the kid the phone to stare at. So they're not interacting. It's just sort of on. 
So from the time that Asher was a very small baby, I just, you know, in basketball season, I had basketball on the TV. And in baseball season, I had baseball on the TV. And every once in a while, he'd look up and he'd say, what's that? And I'd, you know, tell him who a couple of the players on the Dodgers were. It's something that we were able to share together. Uh, and with basketball, it's, you know, I'd point out when somebody does a big dunk or something like that. So it's on, but no one's really paying attention to it besides intermittently me. Um there are stretches of time where I am not in charge of my child in the afternoons and evenings. And, and you know, on Pacific time, games start at 4. So uh, usually we still have a nanny or the kid is napping at that point. So the first hour to hour and a half of games out here, I'm usually uh, safely by myself. So I'll have one on the TV with League Pass and I'll flip back and forth. Mostly watching live the games that I, I have someone that I'm tracking. You know, we talk about homework games. Those are the ones I want to put on the big TV or a TV, so I can really take it in in every respect. I might have one on the phone. I might have one on the computer. Those are maybes. Usually with the one on the TV, I'm watching that one really closely, and then I'm flipping around a lot. But once I'm in charge of both trying to figure out what the going on in the NBA and making sure that dinner is getting cooked and kid is okay, then it's all about passive. It's passive. It's not that I'm arguing that this is a good way to do something. I'm arguing that it's actually kind of a net neutral because we have games on here and Asher doesn't pay attention to them at all unless I focus him that way. So he'd rather play with his Legos and Magnetiles and Dominoes, whatever else is going on around here. Uh, And it allows me to have a, a game on that I can check out intermittently while I'm doing my other stuff. Now, in terms of actual you know, consumption, that sort of unrelated to the child. Uh, I am flipping between box scores and I'm flipping between games constantly. You have to be, it's, you got to be all over it. You know, it's about watching who's in the game and when looking at lineups. I don't have time to go through the deep stat dives at the end of the night. I need to see it as it's happening. And so for me, that's having a crap load of tabs open on the computer flipping between scores as they change, flipping between boxes. And for the TV, if a game I'm, I care about, if my guys are not in, I'll flip over to another game uh, and try to take in a few minutes of that as well. well. I know that wasn't actually super helpful, but I think passive, just having something on around the corner is not that big of a deal. And so that's the uh, that's the short version, I guess. I'll, I'll feel free to elaborate if you guys want to ask me anything else. I, I, I'm not a pioneer in any respect, so I, I didn't. I hope that the answer wasn't. Uh, you guys were hoping for some sort of like life changing thing. I, I don't have a style blog or anything. I just happen to think that what I've done is I've created a little bit of a sports fan without ruining uh, the child's ability to focus on other things that are kind of helping grow the brain a little bit more. You know, you're not. It's not a cartoon on that's going to distract them for 30 to 60 straight minutes. It's just sort of on. And so now I'm hoping that at some point my kid will just be older and it'll be like, oh, I grew up in a household that enjoyed sports on TV. But that was just sort of a thing in the background. That's a thing that dad did in the background. Uh, so it doesn't distract the kid. That's the real key. I think if it was distracting the child, my wife would be more upset and she'd have every reason to be. But we've somehow managed to dodge that through multiple years of just passive uh, sport is on mentality. And that is the pod. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Uh, again, no guests this week. As far as I know, I think you're just stuck with me. We'll be going through some boxes. Uh, we will have a Christmas day episode first thing in the morning. It'll largely be based on gambling actually. And then what we're looking for on the fantasy landscape. 
Uh, maybe I'll try to live tweet some stuff throughout that day, depending on um, how much help we have around here. Tomorrow, obviously, we will go over the Monday results, but no games on Tuesday. And that is that. MyBookie.ag is the website. Join us now with promo code today. Get that extra deposit uh, bonus, B-O-N-U-S bonus, uh, with the promo code today. Again, that code is today. It's in respect to the name of this podcast, and so go use it. But they're back. They're back with us in all respects. Check them out. I think you're going to be pretty thrilled. I'm Dan Vespers. Have a wonderful Monday. We'll talk to you tomorrow. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.